0: This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Matthew 1. All right, well, I think, and I'll be honest with you, I really didn't intend to be in chapter 2 tonight, but... I was looking at this more. In fact, last week I tended to be in chapter two. This morning, but uh, you know, the more I got to looking at it, I wanted, felt like we could cover some more ground there. And and I really, really, I, I know, I know that some of these things. For example, when we talk about the incarnation, um, that's a concept that we're familiar with as Christians. If you if you've been a Christian very long, then uh you understand that um God became flesh, you know, Jesus is the second person of the Godhead, the eternal Son of God, and that uh for is John one as we 're going to see in a moment, he's called the Word of God, the Logos of god and and he became flesh and dwelt among us so I know that's that's um in a sense we might say basic christianity but it but it really is. Uh, I think worth taking time to kind of um, just uh, soak in that and and um, try to try to soak it in and meditate it, meditate on it some because this this is uh, this concept is ag- aggressively um, being attacked in our day and even though it is kind of basic Christianity 101 um, in the first place it, it's it's a it's it's an amazing, uh, astounding truth you know, that we don't want to take lightly, that God came in the flesh. But also, um, I think that a lot of um, so-called, uh, I have to qualify it with that, but a lot of so-called evangelical Christians are, are surrendering um, that truth and yet trying to keep the name Christian and 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 I think it's a non negotiable um, but it's it's and, and one reason that happens is that it that it is surrendered is because it's such an unpopular view in the world, uh, especially with this push that we have going on for the uh the syn- synthesis of all religions or or at least to the degree that we can um, not not argue about certain things. I mean, if we could back off the divinity of Jesus, for example, then then we could have a better dialogue with Jews and Muslims, couldn't we? Uh, and and we could we could when when they talk about we're all serving the same God, and some some of them do, some of them don't, some of them do. But when they when they put that kind of talk out there, we're all serving the same God. Um, the world would be happy to to some extent, not totally, but they'd be happy to some extent if we just kind of come come along with that and uh, say, yeah, that's true, you know, it's all the, all, the God of Jesus is, is the God of Mohammed and all that kind of thing, but it's, it's not the case. Now we're not we're not talking about the same God, so this this um, concept, the divinity of Jesus Christ, it's always been under fire, but but it, it, that seems to me to be really being renewed. Um, the hatred for it, in, at least in this country, and, and part of the reason is because of the the push of Islam on the world, um, and then part of the reason is just because of the push for the uh, uh, ecumenism. You know, they just let's bring everybody together and sing Kumbaya around the campfire and all be happy. Um, but there are things about Christianity, in uh, spite of what the world. Would, would want us to think there are things about Christianity that are not compatible <laughs> with other religions, okay? You can't, you, can't, you can't embrace true religion and false religion at the same time. Our, our culture would say that you can embrace contradictory ideas, but uh, that notion is foreign to the Bible where there are clear absolutes presented. Now, I want us to look again this morning at verse 23. Um, And Lord willing, we will. I I just want to consider a few more things before we move off this. And then, Lord willing, next Sunday morning we'll be in chapter 2. So you can go ahead and read that. Verse 23. Verse 22. I'll read verse 22 and verse 23. So all this was done. "...that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us." Now this morning... Uh, Essentially, what we we were focusing on in on that uh, same passage, a um, little more focused on God's uh, heart in it, the desire of God—that is to dwell with His people, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. This this was a an idea born in the heart of God, not not born uh, in the mind of men, not not born out of some necessity, um, but just. Just born in the heart of God, out of, out of His own good pleasure. He made us for His own pleasure. And he, he, he created, designed the whole redemption story for His own pleasure. He decided to bring a people to Himself, send His only begotten Son to die uh, the death of a sinner, even though He Himself was not a sinner. Um, in, 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 the, in our place and for our sins because these things pleased God, because he, he was pleased to set His love on us. This was God's desire to fellowship with us. And I tell you, uh, uh, that, ought to, that ought to have an, a profound effect on us. That ought to move us to know that God's desire is to have intimate relationship with us to 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 know and be known and and that again is another concept that's under attack isn't it and people will tell you real quick that you can't know it used to be one of my things I used to like to say was you can't know anything because you know you you, you just you, you could be perceiving things wrong so so you you can't know anything but um, I think the scripture counters that. It says, yes, yes, you can. God has created a reality that we can indeed uh, experience. We can know certain things. And because he has revealed himself, we can know him. He can be known. So it was his desire to make himself known um, with this goal in mind that he would. Um, that He would fellowship with us. That we would have intimate fellowship with Him. That's salvation. Now, tonight, I, I want to focus more on, although, uh, as I say, we've done this before, but I think it would be good to be reminded of this, on this Word, God. In other words, who is with us? Who is Emmanuel? Or or let's say it this way, Matthew has made the case here that Jesus is the Christ. That's That's... Um, his primary purpose here, um, he, he, in giving the lineage and giving the narrative, you notice, uh, for example, in verse 1, we, we mentioned this before, he, he refers, well, he starts out by saying the book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ. And, and again, that's, uh, that's not a last name, that's, that's um, a title, the Anointed One. And sometimes sometimes it's worded that way, Jesus the Christ. Um, but here, Jesus Christ. So he's saying right up front, here's the genesis, the genealogy of the Christ. And immediately, uh, all, all the Jews know who he's talking about. They, they've, uh, they have waited for centuries for the anointed, capital A, the anointed one, capital A, capital O there. Um, the term was used... Uh, applied to prophets, priests, kings, but there was this one anointed one that was promised that they had waited for for centuries. And it's clear, Matthew's saying he has arrived. This is him. And you look in verse uh, 15, when he gets to the end of the genealogy, uh, verse 16, I'm sorry, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Christ. Christos in the Greek, and the Hebrew Messiah, the Anointed One. And uh, then he says, in summing up the genealogy, verse 17, all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen generations, from David until the captivity in Babylon are fourteen generations, from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are fourteen generations. Now, verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ. Was as follows. So he's clearly saying this Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, is the Christ, the Messiah, the long awaited Messiah. Now, what I hope to point out tonight, and as we, not just tonight, but as we move through the book of Matthew, is that he is also presenting the Christ, and therefore Jesus of Nazareth, as. Divine. That is, he is he is saying that Christ is God. Now, that is a concept that they the Jews would not have readily understood. In fact, um, uh, you know, they, it was a stumbling block for them. They they fought against it and, and still do, really hard. The idea that a man, since Jesus of Nazareth clearly was a man, the idea that a man could also be God. That God could come, take on flesh, become a man, um, to the Jewish mind was absurd. Um, it, it was uh, repulsive. But, but again, I think we'll see as we go through here, and as we look at uh, excerpts from the other Gospels as well, and other passages uh, in the Bible, that He is He is being. Uh, Shown to be divine, God. Jesus is God. I was watching just just this week a uh, a little debate about this. Um, I, I don't remember the man's name either one of them, but a Christian and a Muslim, and, and the Muslim um, was was excellent debater, um, but uh, obviously you know he he disagreed on this point, and they they tried to. Uh, make a point a lot of times of saying in, a, in, in a, oftentimes a very deceptive way. But they say, you know, we, we believe in Jesus. And, and well, they do. They believe He was a uh, historic figure. They believe He was a prophet. They do not believe He is God. They do not believe He is the Son of God. They do not believe that He rose from the dead. And they, they teach against that. So they say... Um, that they accept and believe the Bible, uh, and that the um, Quran is just uh, a, a fuller revelation, that it, that it doesn't, you know, we, we accept the Bible too, but now we have this fuller revelation, the Quran, and of course, where they contradict, they go with the Quran. And they would say the Bible is wrong. So they reject the deity of Jesus Christ. So this is, it's an important, um, important issue for us to, uh, to be settled in. Who is this Christ? Who is this Christ that came? Who is this Christ that said He was dying for the sins of those who would believe on Him? Who is He? Was He merely a man? Was he um, God but not man? You know, I mean, did he just appear to be a man, or was he? And this, of course, is what I believe the Scripture teaches: was he fully God and fully man? Now, one thing I want to do here is, is read you a uh, a uh, historic uh, definition, what it's usually called, Chalcedonian definition. Um, and uh, I, I, don't, I thought about making copies, but I didn't get it done, so I thought you might want to look at it. It's good to look at these things. Uh, they're, they're, this, of course, is not uh, Scripture, not inerrant or anything like that, but it's it's very good. Uh, and, it, and looking at these documents it helps you understand what the church has taught through the centuries, what they have stood on, what sometimes they have caved on, and, and that kind of thing. And a lot of times you discover, you go back looking at church history and you see the things they were wrestling with or fighting against and you discover that um, these things we're up against today aren't new. That Satan is circulating the same old lies. I mean, they're just reshaped a lot of times, but the same old lies. But here's the Chalcedonian uh, definition from 451 A.D. Um, So that's... This century. The purpose in it is, is to explain uh, the divinity of Jesus, the hy- specifically the hypostatic, what's called the hypostatic union, the union of the two um, natures of Christ. Here it is. Therefore, following the Holy Fathers, we all with one accord teach men to acknowledge one and the same Son our Lord Jesus Christ, at once complete in Godhead and complete in manhood, truly God and truly man, consisting also of a reasonable soul and body, of one substance with the Father as regards His Godhead, and at the same time of one substance with us as regards His manhood. Like us in all respects, apart from sin. As regards His Godhead, begotten of the Father before the ages. But yet, as regards His manhood, begotten for us men and for our salvation of Mary the Virgin. The God-bearer. One and the same, Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten. Recognized in two natures, without confusion, without change, without division, without separation, the distinction of natures being in no way annulled by the union, but rather the characteristics of each nature being preserved and coming together to form one person and subsistence, not as parted or separated into two persons, but one and the same Son and only begotten God, the Word, Lord Jesus Christ. Even as the prophets from earliest times spoke of Him, and our Lord Jesus Christ Himself taught us, And the creed of the fathers has handed down to us. Chalcedonian definition from 451 A.D. Affirming the divinity of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is fully God, fully man. One person. He's not divided into two persons. One person yet with two natures. Fully God, fully man. Now, at least in my opinion, that that that's an an excellent definition. It's framed, you know, worded. Uh, this is good, very thorough, um, very specific. Question is: Is it scriptural? Did Jesus claim to be God? Did uh, Others around him understand him to be making that kind of claim. Or, um, is this an invention of the church? Um, perhaps overzealous disciples, you know, after Christ's death. Um, or is it Bible truth? Well, of course, I'd submit to you that it's Bible truth. And let's, I'm going to look at a few passages um, First, let's go to John 1. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The word, Word, (laughs) there. I know it even gets confusing saying that, doesn't it? But the word, Word, there is the Greek word logos okay um, I'm going to use that uh, not because I'm trying to impress you with my great uh, Greek pronunciation which is frankly probably wrong anyway but but um, because I, I think it's a it's a word worth learning there, there are some words that that um, um, we probably ought to all know and, and and this is probably probably one of them this this title is um, used various times concerning Jesus in the New Testament it has a it has a lot behind it. In the beginning was the Lagos. And the Lagos was with God, and the Lagos was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then he switches here to talk about John, John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, verse 6, verse 7. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, the light being the Lagos, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, that he's meaning John, John the Baptist was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Or it can be worded, um, can be translated, gives light, um, coming into the world gives light to every man. In other words, meaning he, he's the one that's coming into the world. He coming into the world gives light to every man. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. You notice He's presenting Him here as Creator, as the agent of creation. Verse 3, all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. He's, he's presented here as the uh, source of life. Verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Again, Creator in verse Ten, He was in the world, the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Lagos became children flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, verse 14 makes it clear, doesn't it, that the logos that he's referring to, the word, is Jesus. Jesus. Because obviously, uh, this is this is where John is going. He's going to tell the story about Jesus. This is gospel uh, about Jesus according to John. In verse seventeen, uh, verse fourteen, rather, the, the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. The Logos, who according to verse one was in the beginning with God and was God, who the Logos, who according to verse three and verse ten was creator of all things. And according to verse 4, is the source of life. In Him was life. And life was the light of men. Now, back to verse 1 for just a moment. The Lagos was with God, which makes it sound like, I mean, there's a distinction there, right? You've got God and you've got the Lagos. But then he also says, and the Lagos was God. He was in the beginning and He was God. He was in the beginning and He was with God. And at the same time, He was God. So there is a distinction in persons. And yet, His divinity is clearly declared. He was in the beginning with God and He was God. The Lagos was God. God's own <clears throat> revelation, ultimate revelation, uh, which I think is the way the uh, the Jewish mind would have understood the word logos. And it's a it's a Greek, um, really common Greek philosophical term, um, and and you know they would have have understood it to to be this kind of first principle by which all things are moved and sustained, but to the Jews, it would have had the idea of the revelation of God. The Word of God came to Jeremiah, or the Word of God came to Isaiah, or whatever. They would have understood it as the revelation of God. And this revelation, in fact, ultimate revelation, the most clear, fullest revelation of God, was Himself with God, and was Himself God. And He became... Flesh. So Matthew's version of the incarnation, he employs the uh, the, uh, the passage from Isaiah seven fourteen. You'll call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And John's version is this: He was in the beginning with God, and He was God, and He became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld. His glory, it's the Lagos, the eternal Lagos, the Word of God, who is Himself God. What about Jesus? One of, one of the common arguments against this idea is that Jesus never claimed to be God. That, that often said, I spent probably, um, gosh, it was a long time, I'd say probably an hour, an hour and a half uh, under the Texas Street Bridge one night, you know, me and a Mooney, face to face, and uh, at least um, verbally, you know, just kind of wrestled. And um, that was one of his big things, you know, that he wanted to keep coming back to. Jesus never claimed to be God. That, the Muslim I saw on this program this week, thats what that's what he said. Nowhere did Jesus claim to be God. Well... Um, let's go for a minute to John 5. And, I, and I'm only going to give you a couple here. There, there are a lot of passages you could go to that uh, uh, I think are clear enough. It's, it's not that, that if, if they mean by that that Jesus did not step up you know, uh, on the temple porch or on the Mount of Olives and say, attention, everybody, I am God. Well, they're right. He didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. But there are some ways in which he did make it plain enough. Look in uh, John 5, verse 16. After Jesus has healed a lame man here, we won't read through the story, but... Verse 16, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill Him, because He had done these things on the Sabbath. They were incensed because Jesus had killed someone on the Sabbath. Verse 17, But Jesus answered them, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. <laughs> that in itself is, is, a, is, a, is just an amazing statement. My, he's saying I do what my father does. My father, and they know who he's talking about when he says "my father." He's talking about um, the one they claim is their God, Yahweh, the I Am, God of the Old Testament, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Jesus says that you know they accuse him for for working on the Sabbath, and he says, "My father has been working until now, and I have been." Working. Therefore, the Jews sought, verse 18, therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Now, it it may be true that, that today, um, when we read that statement, my father has been working until now and I have been working, that, that, it may be true that we don't understand the full force of it and, and the claim that Jesus is making there, but they understood it perfectly. And so they sought the more to kill him. Why? Verse 18, because not only did he break the Sabbath, at least in their mind, but also said that God was his father Making himself equal with God, they they understood that when he spoke of God as Father. In fact, the, the personal pronoun "my" here this this was not common. If if they spoke of God as Father at all, um, they didn't say you know "my Father," like you would like you and I would say "my Daddy." They they didn't talk about God that way. They wouldn't even pronounce his uh, his proper name Yahweh because uh, they considered it so holy um, that uh, you know they wouldn't pronounce it. And Jesus is saying, in referring to him as my Father, very personal. And they understood that to do that, because every son Human beings beget human beings, right? I mean, I know some some people would argue against that, but my my father's not an ape. Neither is my great 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 great. You know, and you can put however many greats you want on there, and go back as far as you want. And you're not going to find a ape in our family tree. Pardon the pun. But Jesus says, God is my Father. And they understood. He's making Himself equal with God. He's not only breaking the Sabbath, He's making Himself equal with God. So you say, surely here, right, with this kind of accusation, and and they're going to kill Him, I mean, at least they want to at this point, surely Jesus is going to say, Whoa, 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 whoa. You you misunderstood. You're, You're mischaracterizing my... My statements. Let's, let's back up a minute. That's, that's not exactly what, what happens. Verse 19, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do. For whatever He does, the Son also does in like manner. Now remember, He's talking about God. He says, whatever God does, He's saying, I do it. In like manner. Likewise. Verse 20, For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself does, and He will show Him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. (laughs) You know, they're bent out of shape because... You sound like you're making yourself equal with God. And he says, look, just, just like the Father gives life to whomever He wills, so I, I give life to whomever I will. What the Father does, I do. Verse 22, for the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. He says, you're going to be judged by me. Verse twenty-three: That all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Well, we better move on. We could we could go through a lot right there, but it's that's powerful stuff. And you get over to chapter eight, and well, one of this is probably my favorite dialogue uh, between Jesus and the and the Jews, and and it's a lengthy discussion here. Um says things like for example, uh Verse fifty one, most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death quite a statement, isn't it? I mean for a rabbi, you know, to get up and say, uh not you know, not just say, Look, Keep the word of God. If 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 you don't keep the word of God, or if you do keep the word of God, you'll never see death. But he says, You keep my word. If you keep my word, you'll never see death. If anyone again in verse fifty two, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. And then in verse fifty four he says, The Father. "...who honors Me, of whom you say that He is your God." He says, "...the Father honors Me." Verse 55, "...yet you have not known Him, but I know Him. And if I say I do not know Him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know Him and keep His Word." And if that was enough, verse 56, He says, "...your father Abraham..." Rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old. Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. That's, that's a claim of deity. I am is the proper name for the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh or Jehovah, I Am. And Jesus clearly applies it to Himself. Now, there are several times that He uses that phrase, I think, in the same way. They're not perhaps as clear, um, maybe a little more uh, veiled, Ambiguous, but, but uh, nevertheless, um, he uses it the, the same way. <clears throat> for example, he says, uh, If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And the he is added for understanding. Um, by the translators. But literally, it's just, if you do not believe that I am, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. That's um, John 8 also, verse 24. If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. And at the end of that discussion, he says, before Abraham was, I Am. Now, one final thing here um, before we close is the not just the words of Jesus, not just the the, uh, the, the testimony of the disciples, like like we saw, for example, in John one, um, which uh, of course you know, if you're Bible believing Christian, you know that's actually the testimony of the Holy Spirit. But He used John the Apostle to write it. So we have not just the the testimony of the Apostles. We have not just um, Jesus Himself making those claims, which again, both of those sources are infallible, inerrant sources. Um, But we also have the testimony of His works and His character. Remember when John sent uh, John the Baptist—that is, when John the Baptist sent someone to Jesus and said, "You know, ask him if he's the one." He's talking about the Christ, again, the long, long-awaited Christ. And and John, uh, John believed he was the Christ; he was the Christ. But apparently, uh, uh, while he's sitting in jail, about to be beheaded, he's he's beginning to have some doubts. Um, It it would seem that he, he himself also had some misunderstanding of how. Uh, the coming of the kingdom was going to play out. And so he sends one of his disciples to Jesus and says, Are you the one or should we look for another? And Jesus says, you, you tell John this, The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. You know what Jesus is saying? My, My works bear testimony to my identity. They show me to be who I claim to be. Remember Luke 4.18 where Jesus stands up in the synagogue and reads Isaiah sixty one one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, And then he says to the crowd there, this day this Scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And he does those things. I mean, he doesn't just make that claim, but he goes on to do those things. His works bear testimony to who he is. Even the officers standing beside him um, at one point to arrest him, they hear him speaking. And and they they can't go through with it. They can't make the arrest. And when their superiors interrogate them, why didn't you arrest him? They say in John seven forty six, no man ever spoke like this man. And even going back for a moment to that same point at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in the synagogue in Nazareth, when he stood up and read Isaiah sixty one one and said, This day, this Scriptures fulfilled in your ears. Those who heard him bore testimony of the gracious words that came from his mouth. And the Apostle John again, in John one fourteen, the Word became flesh. The Logos became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, as of the only begotten of the Father. Not it doesn't. He's not meaning there was a, a a visible you know aura around him. He means we 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 saw his we heard his words. We saw his character. We witnessed his works. That's what he means. We we saw the glory of God in Jesus Christ because he goes on to say, "Full of grace and truth." That's evidence of. Deity. At his, uh, at one point when he's uh, being harassed by the Jews, he says himself, "Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me?" His works and his character were impeccable. Um, None of the Jews could could find a genuine uh, accusation against him. Even Pilate, of course, uh, when he interrogated him, said, I find no fault for this man. I mentioned this this morning, and and I want to uh, read just a little section here because, again, and we'll close with this, because again, who we're talking about, who Matthew is talking about, who John is talking about, who the rest of the New Testament and the Old Testament is talking about, is God. Personal God. He, he is the living God. He is personal God who desires, as we saw this morning, a, a, a relationship, personal relationship, with his people. You find my starting place here. Okay, sorry about that. I, I, I mark my little spot here. Um, this is Francis Schaefer writing in uh, The God Who Is There. And that's the big, one of the big points of the book is that God is, exists, number one, and that He is personal and that He has made Himself known. He says, consider the words of Paul. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Then Schaefer goes on, it is the personal to which we are brought. Not not an impersonal force or energy of some kind. That's that's the again the Greek concept of the term logos, but John makes it clear in John 1:14, doesn't he, that the logos he's talking about is is a person. He, he he in fact that whole chapter he created all things in him is life and he became flesh and dwelt among us. Schaefer goes on First of all, there is the personal relationship with God Himself. This is the most wonderful and is not just in heaven, but is substantially real in practice now. When we understand our calling, it is not only true, but beautiful. And it should be exciting. It is hard to understand how an orthodox, evangelical, Bible-believing Christian can fail to be excited. The answers in the realm of the intellect should make us overwhelmingly excited. But more than this, we are returned to a personal relationship with the God who is there. If we are unexcited Christians, we should go back and see what is wrong. We are surrounded by a generation that can find no one home in the universe. If anything marks our generation, it is this. In contrast to this, as a Christian, I know who I am, and I know the personal God who is there. I speak and He hears. I'm not surrounded by mere mass, nor only energy particles, but He is there. And if I have accepted Christ as my Savior, then though it will not be perfect in this life, Yet, moment by moment, on the basis of the finished work of Christ, this person-to-person relationship with the God who is there can have reality to me. Now, Schaeffer thought that we ought all to be excited because we have a relationship with God. 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 Creator. That's what Matthew is telling us. Yes, He's a man. He's fully man. He he was a a literal child. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child. But this child is not the same as every other child. Because this child is also fully God. So, Isaiah says, you'll call His name Emmanuel. God with us. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for the truth of Your Word. So thankful for the revelation You've given us in Your written Word, in the person of Jesus Christ, God, God in the flesh. You have in Your grace, according to Your own sovereignty, your own good pleasure, you have made yourself known to human beings. Your presence with us as Christians is a reality—a reality that we uh, we live with every day. Lord, heighten our awareness of it. We pray. And Lord, may we do what You've designed us to do. Enjoy You. Beginning now, continuing through the ages, so that You are honored and glorified. In Christ's name, Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana.